Church, Charlotte. All right, so super glad to be back. My wife and I had one of the best vacations of our life, and uh, it was just lovely. Um, we ran out of money and came home. And so here we are. And uh, if we had still had money, we would still be gone. But here we are. And so uh, love you all. Such a joy to do life, to do church, to do ministry with all of you. And I speak the blessings of the Lord to all of you today. Uh, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. This year we decided to actually do something a little different and do a church-wide communion on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, and so that will be next Sunday. Whenever we have communion, we always proceed that with seven days of prayer and fasting. This is a voluntary involvement. It's not, of course, uh, uh, obligatory. We don't police you in any way. The Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. So there has to be a desire in our life uh, for spiritual things. And so whenever we take a week like this, I would just like to ask you this. Set aside intentional time every day uh, and spend it with God. Uh, intentional time every day and spend it with God. Um, if you can find something in your life, some thing that you would give up as a part of that seven days of prayer and fasting, preparing us for communion. Um, I would encourage you to do that. We, there's many different ways to fast. Um, I've gone through them many times. Most of you know them. The, the idea is this. It's, you don't just have to not eat anything. You could, you could take certain things out. You could turn off your news stations. You could get off social media. Uh, that probably would get half of you right there just to a better place of mind. <laughs> and um, we, we want to we want to turn our hearts toward God. I know it seems very convenient for me to go and eat bad for two weeks and send you pictures of bad eating and then come and immediately have a seven-day fast. But I, I just want you to know my game is tight. And <laughs> actually, this has been planned for a while. Um, of course, this is uh, Memorial Day weekend where we are uh, in our individual lives, we are expressing gratitude for those who have given the ultimate sacrifice of their life for the uh, freedom of our nation. And uh, I want to encourage you all uh, to make sure you take a moment and you allow your heart to feel that refreshing uh, sense of gratitude that comes when you realize someone has done something amazing in your stead. Also, I want to ask you to be in prayer for our country um, in this week. Uh, our, our society has a deep sickness in it and uh, we desperately need we desperately need the healing bomb of Gilead we need spiritual healing as individuals uh, as communities as, uh, as a nation and so I am uh, having uh, brought all that to your attention I want to do one more thing before we, we start uh, I get into the word of the Lord um, one of our sisters is very involved in uh, First Steps and serving director of our kitchen team, uh, Sister Clarissa, has had a very, very uh, serious onset of some version of arthritis, which has been debilitating to her. And she is one of the most productive people in serving others and serving the Lord.
Lord that I've ever known in all of my life. She is just tremendously productive. And so it's been a double whammy for her, not just to have physical illness, but as a result of that, to have taken away from her uh, the spiritual community that is very much a part of her life and her husband's also. And so I want us all, if you would just join me with me right now, uh, let's pray for... uh, spiritual healing to go to her room right now and let that healing go into her body right now. Lord, we are praying for healing for our sister. Uh, Clarissa is very much a vibrant part of this church's uh, volunteering, this church's ministries, this church's spiritual life. God, I'm praying that you would send an angel bearing the gift of healing into that bedroom she's in right now so that her body would be restored, that this arthritis would be banned let this body correct itself in such a manner that this is this is this is not a problem uh, I pray that it would be done not just for the relief of our sister although that is important to us would you also do it in a manner that is a testimony to the community is a testimony to her world to her family to her uh, her friends and loved ones let it be for your glory Lord let it be that your name is exalted In Jesus' name we pray, and can the church say amen? All right, my title today is Ask for Rain. Ask for Rain. Uh, I am reading Zechariah chapter number 10, verse number 1. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rain. From the Lord who makes the storm clouds. And he will give them showers of rain to everyone, the vegetation in the field. Ask rain from the Lord. Elbow your neighbor and say, ask for rain. Amen. I want to say a special thank you to uh, Brother Eric Engel, who uh, took care of my pulpit last week and did a wonderful job. Thankful. And also, we're very thankful for his wife, Anna, giving him those notes so he would know what to say, because I've heard him preach when Anna didn't do his notes, and it wasn't near as good. Um, But since Anna did his notes, you got the best version, and so blessings to her. (laughs) Uh, Let me read one more scripture, Ezekiel chapter number 34, verse number 26. I will bless my people and their homes around my holy hill, and in the proper season... I will send the showers they need, the showers they need. All right, I can't resist one. Elbow your neighbor some one more time and say, you need a shower. <laughs> In the proper season, I will send the showers they need. And I love this. There will be showers of blessing. There will be showers of blessing. There will be showers of blessing. Let there be showers of blessing over here and showers of blessing over here. Showers of blessing over here and showers of blessing over here. Any showers of blessing over here? How about the people in the cheap seats back there? Showers of blessings back there and showers of blessings back over there. In Jesus' name, let it happen here at First Church. Amen. Amen. Ask for rain. It is very normal for believers to seek blessing at the hand of the Lord. Not all things that happen in our life are a direct gift of God. Uh, There are some things that happen that in their ultimate 
potential for existence as the gift of God, but it is possible for us to seek a blessing that is not in some way reflective to God and his glory. Uh, I think my favorite story on this is how uh, Abram, having become fabulously wealthy by having uh, one victory over the five kings, uh, he, those cities, those city kingdoms of uh, the river of the Euphrates that came against the city kingdoms of the river of the Jordan, and they took Abram's family hostage, and Abram took his servants, his armed servants, which gives you the example of the kind of positive relationship that existed in them as a tribe, not just an oppressive relationship as a master and a servant. Um, you don't arm people if you have them in an oppressive relationship. It's very much a community relationship, uh, which is different than uh, a lot of the uh, societies of history. But he took his armed servants, and there, with God's favor, he struck a blow to free his family, and in so doing, ended up with the wealth and the riches of two different river basins and their city kingdoms, and it all is in his hand. And the kings come back to him, and not the kings he had defeated from the Euphrates River, but the kings who had been defeated from the River Jordan, and they say, look, keep all of the wealth. Just give us the people back. And this is what Abraham says to them, and this is why I want you to take. He says, no, you can have it all, because I don't want anyone to say that I'm blessed because I took what was yours. He said, you can have it all. I only want the blessing that returns glory to God. This is an important covenant manner in which to live. The reason why this story is in the foundational covenant of not just the Old Testament, but the New Testament. Remember, uh, the theology that will be written down by the Apostle Paul will be built upon the faith, the covenant relationship, the faith of Abraham, this covenant relationship. I'm not just in it to get anything I can get. I want what God wants me to have. I am in covenant with God. Uh, we are, it's normal and, and natural for us to pray for blessing at the hand of God because some blessing can be a curse. Some blessing can be a trap. Some blessing can be a trick. Some blessing, in fact, this week there was a man, um, I don't know the details of the story because I've been on vacation blissfully so, but a man who won $10 million lottery just some time back just was sentenced to life in prison because he murdered his 24-year-old wife. So here's a man, he won $10 million in the lottery, and the result of that twisted him until he thought the best idea for him to do was to kill his young wife, and now he's going to prison for life. This moment of, uh, how shall we say, we would think of it as a windfall, and it would be, but it takes us somewhere. Things that we have can be more than just testimony more than just flourishing in our life. Things can be trials in and of themselves. So we seek blessing at the hand of God. We do not simply want money at any cost. There's things more valuable than money. We don't want lands and... <laughs> 
wealth at any cost. There's things more valuable than those uh, particular items. And so it's natural and normal for us to seek blessing at the hand of God. And I will confess this to you. I have, uh, for much of my ministry, been hesitant to preach specifically about blessings in the life of the believer because there are people who have made a gospel of sacrifice into a get-rich-quick scheme, and that's never what it was intended to be. However, there is blessing in the story. Um, I have seen people turn the gospel of denying self, taking up a cross, and following Jesus, I've, I've heard them turn it into a some type of a prosperity uh, theology, and yet right theology has prosperity in it. And so this has uh, forced in my life, particularly in the last couple of years since um, uh, the various experiences of the last two years has put in my life uh, a real reflection on what is the right way for the believer to ask God for rain in the time of rain. What is the right way for the sincere believer who is not simply promoting self, not simply competing for the sake of competition? What is the right approach to God to ask for rain in the time of rain and not make it a prosperity scheme, not make it a self-serve spiritual gas station, but to in some way let it all reflect and redound, to use a good old-fashioned word, to the glory of God. What is that way? So I want to, uh, first of all, warn you in advance that it may take me a little while to work through this. Uh, I may take a few Sundays or Wednesdays, I don't know how that will go, uh, to talk about this, but I believe very deeply that blessing is a part of God's plan and fulfillment in the believer's life. I also believe there is a temptation for carnal people to make God an idol of blessing rather than a relationship of covenant. What is the relationship of the idolater to his or her God? It is a manipulative relationship where I use you to get what I have decided I need, want, or deserve. And so the idol worshiper goes to the deity that best reflects what they want, and then they try to please, uh, seduce, Talk into, negotiate this deity who has idealized something to give them what they've decided they want. This is the role, the manipulative role of the idol worshiper. And it is possible for us to approach God as though we know what is best for us. His job is to give it. And it is possible for us to have a theology that is primarily about us at a little God to celebrate us. This is not the story that the gospel shows to us as the sign of divine love. The Lord is showing us a way of spiritual wholeness and completion manifest in Jesus Christ. And part of that is a divine flourishing in your life. 
So I am trying uh, to establish a foundation of rightness, of righteousness, of right belief, of right doctrine in the terms of I am asking for rain. I am asking for blessing. I am praying that on this church, the blessing of God would fall. I'm praying upon all of these lives gathered in here that the windows of heaven would open and the blessings of God would fall as a nourishing rain that brings life to a desert. Let it happen here in Jesus' name, I pray. Let me give you five principles I'm going to try to get to. Uh, I In the 9 a.m. service, I did not get to five of them. I only got to four of them, and then we quit, but I'll finish up some other time. Uh, the first principle, I'm well, let me... To be clear, I'm going to give you all five, and then we're going to go back uh, and look at each of them uh, respectively. Number one, blessing is God's favor poured into my life. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What do you mean by variableness? Uh, well, that's another message. Let me just skip that when I go to number two. <laughs> God's blessing has to do with your purpose. It's easy for us to, particularly those of us who have built our whole life around church, is we forget that we have any purpose at all. Our only purpose is God's purpose, which is in some way misleading because you are unique. You have specific gifts, talents, and abilities. You can do things I can't do. And the uniqueness of who God has made you to be will be fulfilled in your purpose, and your purpose will grow out of the healthy, vibrant soil of God's purpose. Your uniqueness, your talents, your giftedness will grow with the uniqueness of who God made you to be out of the healthy soil of God's purpose. So number one, blessing is favor poured into your life. Number two, blessing is related to purpose. I'm going to show you that in the scripture. Number three, purpose is both natural and spiritual. It's not just spiritual. It is natural and spiritual. Number four, the spiritual purpose of our life is interwoven with the natural purpose of our life. And number five, the work that is done in us and through us by this interweaving of the spiritual and the natural, all of it, spiritual and natural, gives glory to God. Our worship is not just the song we sing on Sunday. Our worship is not just the hands we clap in the middle of a service. It's not just us with hands raised. Everything we do in word or deed, all of it interwoven together, how and why, to give glory to God. God, we want to give you glory with our lives. We want our every choice we make to lift you up and glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's give him some glory right now here in this house right now. Put your hands together. Lift your voices. God, we praise you. You are holy and righteous and glorious. And we bless you today 
in Jesus' name. Blessing is simply the favor of God poured into your life. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, starting at verse number 8. God is able to bless you abundantly. Somebody say yes. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplied seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Let me try to uh, put a spin on this. Maybe would not be your first response. The flourishing of your life is not just the harvest of the spiritual side of you. The flourishing of your life is all of God's gifts in you and through you, and it is all threaded back through the gift of God in you. Everything you do, every prayer you pray, yes, but the life you live, the good work you do, the testimony you live, the uniqueness of how you do your career, the uniqueness of how you build a business, the uniqueness of how you solve a problem, the uniqueness of how you coordinate with other believers to let a ministry live, the uniqueness in the way you encourage people in this house, it all threads back together and gives glory to God. And I cannot have some agreement in here today. Favor is poured into our life. All good things come from God, and he promises to bless us with everything that we need. There is an order to our seeking, however. Even though it is all threaded back to God, there is an order, and the order goes like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. Or another translation, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Blessing is the favor of God in your life. Second principle I want you to grasp. God's blessing is directly related to your purpose. Now I, uh, again, back to confession here. Uh, One of the reasons why I've always been hesitant to spend too much time uh, emphasizing blessing uh, for the believer is this risk that I think has been um, has has been a snare to some people who have ended up believing that God's purpose was blessing rather than uh, God's purpose had blessing in it, and I want to show you a picture from the creation in Genesis, the very beginning of the book of Genesis. Why do we go back to Genesis to understand order, particularly before the fall? Because God made a world and it was good. It was perfect. There was not sin in it. There was not this type of toxic rivalry competing one with another, making myself whole by hurting you. 
lifting myself up by pushing you down. There was this wholeness to it, which will be restored one day, prophetically, when Christ is finished with his sovereign work. There will be a wholeness that is in creation again. This is shown to us in prophetic image, and I want to remind you of this image. The Bible gives us the picture of the lion lying down with the lamb. Now, this is not so much a literal how-to build a world where you can figure out how it works. No, that's not how prophecy is given to us. It's given to us as understanding, and we have no idea how to get there. A day is coming when this toxic competition where we fight and we strive and we compete and we hurt one another and we hate one another and we push and we fight and our lusts drive us to a type of civilizational madness and war and strife. There's coming a day when that is going to be corrected in the human spirit. And the one who made it right the first time is going to make it right anew again and afresh. And I say with every believer, even so, come Lord quickly. I don't know how God's going to do that. Prophecy always has this element to it. Don't try to figure out how you can file the lion's teeth and get it to eat grain. We don't know the how. What we see is the image of a spiritual truth that this competing world of death and blood and hate and rage and taking advantage of each other is going to be ordered by the goodness of God. And you go to Genesis and you see first principles and you see how God did it uh, there. And so I want to show you in this world before the fall, before sin, I want to show you how the Lord operates. Chapter number one, verse number 22, the Bible tells us that God blessed the animals. God blessed the animals. I told the 9 a.m. service that if you have a pet and you want to go home and put your hand on that pet's head and uh, bless them formally, um, I don't know if it'll work for you, uh, but when the Lord blessed the animals, they had to fulfill their purpose because why? Purpose and blessing are interlinked. And so God blessed the animals, telling them to be fruitful and multiply. God blessed Adam and Eve and told them to be fruitful and, and, and multiply. So I just want you parents to know we need more children. Just let that be a blessing to you. I don't know who that was for, but just let that be a blessing to you. Uh, some of us are past that stage of life, and um, I just want you to know, I want you to change them diapers. I just want to kiss them babies. That's, that's all we have going on there. I want you to see when God blessed it, he blessed it in its purpose. When God blesses Adam and Eve and tells them to be fruitful and multiply, he gives them an additional. He tells them to exercise responsibility for the world in which he has placed them. It is dominion. He gives them a type of lordship over that dominion in the same manner as royalty, as a king would exercise dominion, which is different than just the idea of a king who demands service. That was not the idea that dominion dominion that the Lord would give is a dominion of care and responsibility. I know there are a lot of churches that in their uh, individual politics, they don't emphasize this at all, but we do have a responsibility uh, to care for uh, the world that God has given us. 
and uh, God blessed them and he gave them dominion and so it is in your life. God blesses you in purpose and there is a foundational purpose of God and this is as it were a soil of potential. It is a fertile soil of God's purpose and then God comes and he makes you unique. You solve problems unique to you. You handle clients unique to you. You build a business unique to you. And we get into the habit of putting God on Sunday. And I want you to remember that it wasn't just Sunday that was in a perfect world. Monday through Saturday were in a perfect world. And people had responsibility Monday through Saturday. I'm going to continue that in just a moment. Number three, your purpose is both natural and spiritual. It's not just spiritual. It is both natural and spiritual. Let me remind you that work was not created after the fall of sin. Work was before the fall. The difference was the work got harder after the fall. Why? Because all creation began to fight against itself and fight against anyone in it. And so work was given to Adam and Eve in a perfect world, a world without sin, a world without error. In that world, a work was given and a day of solemn spiritual reflection. In other words, every day was not Sabbath. Six days were work, and Sabbath completed the work that had been given. Now, I know if you grew up in a certain style of church environment, uh, this may not be the most natural thing for you to hear. Uh, you, like many of us, will very much have this sense of church is church, and work is work, and we have to kind of keep this law, this wall between the two, um, because when I, you see, this is not new to us. Um, this has happened through many, many generations, and uh, you can go back in church history and read, and you'll see every idea anybody's ever had has been tried in various ways relative uh, to the generation that was trying it. And this is how the whole rise of the monastery system and uh, the uh, various convents uh, systems of the Middle Ages where people said, look, um, what, what the only thing that matters is the, the spiritual and uh, what we should do is we should focus on making every day like that and uh, every day we will seek first the kingdom of God. Now, I want to say these people meant well. Uh, we don't need to be the first person to try to look down our ecclesiastical nose at other people, see the good intent. Uh, we will be blessed if we don't carry around a whole lot of judgment for other people. They have a master, let their master sort them out. But they meant well by trying to do this. So they decided, well, we'll create this community of people who they don't have a Monday through Saturday. Every day is the Sabbath day. And uh, then they realized that this was pretty hard to do. And so they had to, in many ways, disengage from the community 
community around them, and they built these, as it were, uh, monastery walls of separation, and uh, then they had increasing more pious uh, requests. No longer would they just go to church uh, once a day, but now they would have multiple services in the sun up. They would have, um, they called it mass. They would have a mass for that, and then the mid-morning, and then noonday, and then middle of the afternoon. They even have um, vespers, which is the middle of the night, if I remember correctly. Uh, midnight, they have this midnight mass. You just go to church nonstop. You are separated from your world, and you only pursue the spiritual. Uh, you only value the spiritual. That's all that matters. And the problem with that is not that we didn't mean well when we tried to do that. The problem is that we are here for a purpose, and it's not my opinion. Uh, Jesus did us the great kindness of actually telling us what we were here for in the example of something we could see and taste. You are salt and you are light. And if you isolate either salt or light, it has no influence on the medium, the environment, the place of where it should have an impact. And so uh, we, if we're not careful, end up in this reality where we separate the spiritual from life. And uh, let me give you some examples that I have uh, seen and I have in, been tempted in times of my life to live out, and that is this. On Sunday, we are high, high commitment Christians. On Sunday, we uh, do, we, it's as though we're marathoners in a sea of people who just occasionally go for a walk. And the vanity of that settles upon us, and on Sunday, we are more saved than anybody else, and Monday through Saturday, they don't even know we're a Christian. Now, we think we're a Christian, but we have no connection, interaction, uh, no spiritual flourishing, only in the church. And so on Sunday, the vanity of we're the only ones who are saved kicks in, and Monday through Saturday, our neighbors don't even know we're a Christian. Man, it's quiet in here. I didn't know I was going to kill it that bad, but I, 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 maybe I should just give it to uh, Eric. Just let him come up and take over right now and try to save this mess I've created here. <laughs> I want you to understand the uniqueness of how God wants to bless you. You are a living, walking, breathing testimony of divine flourishing. And it's not enough for you to get a fix on Sunday and then go into your world as though it is something separate. What you need to do is be the salt and the light in your world because your purpose is both natural and spiritual. We were created not just for worship. We were also created for work. Nobody's excited about that, but I want you to know it is a part of how God would like to bless you. It is a part of how God would like 
to flourish you. God would like you to build your career as a demonstration of spiritual flourishing. God would like you to would like to prosper your business not just for the sake of you having the biggest house in the neighborhood, but for you to do it in a certain way that reveals divine spiritual flourishing. You see the natural and the spiritual is threaded through. The kingdom of God bears bears upon every dimension of life. And if it does not, then we fail to be salt and life, light. As Christians, we live out our gifts. Let me say that again. As Christians, we live out our gifts as part of our testimony. And if you separate your gifts from your testimony, then giving to God will never feel like first fruits returning gifts to him. It'll always feel like duty, a type of religious bribe paid so you can still feel good enough for God. It's a mistake for us to fail to see that when God gave you of his gifts, when God gave you the uniqueness of you, when God gave you the opportunities in career, opportunities in education, opportunities in business, opportunities in community, opportunities in neighborhood, it is a fingerprint of God on you that gives glory to God. You are part of the testimony. You see, what we oftentimes want to do is take a passive role and let God do it. I don't want to fix it. I just want to let go and let God. Now, I'm all for letting go and letting God, but sometimes I want you to know God is more interested in fixing you than he is fixing your problem. If he'll fix you, you will have a testimony of divine flourishing in your life. And the testimony won't just be how loud you clap on Sunday. Oh, I wish I could preach better than I actually can preach. The testimony will not just be which song you sing on Sunday. It won't just be how you come to church. Your testimony will be in your career. Your testimony will be in your business. Your testimony will be in your school. You will live out a testimony of unique, divine flourishing. I want you to see in the testimony of God, no matter the circumstance of this blessed world he has created, life thrives. You can give it too much water, it'll find a way to thrive. You can put it in a desert, it'll find a way to thrive. God doesn't just want one beetle. When he says, let there be, it's not one beetle. It's a million beetles. And they're all from different perspectives. And when God looks at the church and says, it's a body, not all of you are this, not all of you are that, not all of you are the other, not all of you didn't have a chance of higher education. Some of you started a blue-collar business. Uh, I can bless it. 
Some of you grew up damaged and there wasn't much living water of, how shall we say this, compliments flowing in your life. And the first battle you had to fight was whether or not you had any worth at all because it had been pounded out of you. And someone else grew up in the soft, gentle plains of plenty and you grew up in a desert. I want you to know God can thrive in a desert. You are a unique testimony of divine flourishing. You have gifts. It's not just how high you jump on Sunday, my brother, my sister. I'm all for jumping on Sunday. It's how you solve the problems you're going to be faced with this week. Some of you have business challenges this week. Guess what? God would like to speak spiritual flourishing into the problems you're going to face this week. It's all the testimony of God. Why? Because in this creation, the spiritual grows into the natural, and they threaded together whatever you do in word or deed. Let it all be for the glory of God. The kingdom of God reflects upon every dimension of life. And I want to say this to you. Your talents and your abilities, your business acumen, your hobbies that became businesses, your questions and decisions to go back to school, to career shift, all of that are just as much a part of the image of God upon you as any type of uh, experience or uh, natural visage. Uh, God is a creator, and God takes stuff and makes something beautiful out of it, and then God speaks life into you, and God shines his image upon you and you take what you have and you begin to create it all is spiritual flourishing if you'll notice I've said that phrase spiritual flourishing repeatedly I've said it from the very first point and now I'm down on what point number three or four I've said it over and over uh, let me give you another word that you would have heard a lot and you would have you would know that it goes all the way back into the Old Testament and is very much a part of Jewish life and uh, faith of the Jews, and that is shalom. You all know the word shalom. Uh, shalom, we think of it in its most shallow interpretation, which is simply peace. Uh, I, I want peace with you. I speak peace to you. I, I desire peace with you. I, I see you. I say shalom. I, I say peace. I want to be at peace with you. Uh, but that is the shallowest interpretation of the word shalom. Uh, if you want to go deeper into the Hebrew meaning of the word shalom, uh, you will have to use the phrase I have been using repeatedly because what shalom literally references is divine flourishing. And I speak shalom to you. I speak spiritual flourishing to you. I am well aware that not everybody has been given the same opportunities. Some of you come from much more difficult backgrounds and others, but in spite of that background, I speak God's spiritual flourishing into your life. 
Some of you had a chance to go to school and you have enough degrees that you have PhDs and uh, LLDs and MBAs and UPSs and CIAs and KGBs and other types of uh, EPAs and you just, you just, you, you had that advantage. You know what? Uh, you need to be thankful for that because it reflects an a culture where God placed you. It reflects uh, um, uh, an environment that God placed you in. And I'm thankful for that. And I want you, having given, been given all of that, to exhibit spiritual flourishing in your life. Some of you come from broken backgrounds, and you're the first person in your family really to uh, go to college or graduate high school. And um, it's very easy for you to play a trick on yourself and try to look at how the people over there live. I wonder how people who had a chance to get graduate degrees, I wonder how, how they live. But I, I want to stop that right now, and I want to say this to you. It matters little as to the limits when you bear in your life the fingerprint of God's creative giftings to you. You solve problems in a certain way. It gives glory to God. And it is threaded through to the spiritual in your life. Because however you solve those problems, there's people that you influence. You may not even know it, but they're watching you solve those problems. And it all gives glory to God. You'll do it different than your neighbor on the row behind you. That's not an accident. It's not an error. It is intentional. It is specific. It all it gives glory glory to God. You are a living, breathing uh, testimony of shalom in your life. We cannot separate the spiritual from the rest of life. And come to church and go to church on Sundays as though we're the only real Christians and then live six days a week and our neighbors not even know we are Christians. Everything you do in word or deed is all bound up in the testimony of shalom, spiritual flourishing in your life. Our spiritual is interwoven to our natural. Uh, the author, Oz Guinness, in his book entitled The Call, he said this. I'm going to give you a quote from this book. Calling is the truth that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is invested with special devotion and dynamism lived out as a response to his summons and his call. In other words, he says, this is the living fulfillment of the great commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with everything you have, to love him with everything you have, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the greatest commandment, and it's incomplete standing alone. There's one more that stands with it, and that is this, to love your neighbor as you would yourself. If we live this way, we begin to manifest in our life spiritual flourishing. Uh, he goes on, and this is the author, and I'm, I'll explain it the way he does first, but then I want to make uh, an, a, a modification to it that I feel like is helpful. Uh, Guinness goes on to explain that there is a difference between the primary calling of our life and the secondary calling of our life. He says our primary calling as followers of Christ is by him, to him, and for him. Our secondary calling is that everyone, everywhere, in everything should think 
speak, live, and act entirely for him. And what he is wanting to say and what the author here is trying to say is basically seek ye first the kingdom of God, get the spiritual, and then the rest of it will take care of itself. And I want you to know I'm I'm very comfortable with that because my whole life I have lived with this idea that, you know, uh, the rest of the week can in many ways be mostly ignored. As long as I get Sunday right, the rest of the week can be ignored. But I want to correct that first in me and perhaps correct it in you also that goes like this. The spiritual is threaded through the natural. They cannot exist in isolation. The spiritual is threaded through the natural. They cannot exist in isolation. In the same manner that you are body, soul, and spirit, your life is lived out body, soul, and spirit. And yes, the spirit always has primacy because the spirit is forever and the flesh passes away. But as long as we are here in this world, we live testimony. The difference of our future is not that our life is over. It won't be over. We'll be forever with him. We'll be ever like him in his presence face to face. The difference is in the here and now, you get a chance to give him glory in how you take your abilities, your talents, your giftings, uh, your circumstances, and you give them as glory unto the Lord. We cannot separate the spiritual from our life. We must let everything we do celebrate and give glory to Almighty God. I'm not saying that our work can ever be our source of meaning. I'm saying we can never fully fulfill our source of meaning in this life without the testimony of our work because the Lord placed us here and the Lord gave us his presence and spirit here and the Lord said make a difference here and the Lord said here is a field. Would you work in it? Here is your life. Would you use it to test and make a difference to the world in which you are placed. And so that is number four, our spiritual and our, our, the flesh and the spirit grow together in this life of testimony that we have. And number five, if our life is lived well, we spiritually flourish and God is glorified. Let me, I've been quoting it since the beginning of the message. Let me give you the passage. First um, Corinthians 10, 31. Everything you do, how you eat, how you drink, everything you do, use it to give glory to God. Whether business, whether medicine, whether law, whether carpentry, whether construction, whether garbage collection, whether the arts, all is done for the glory of God. 
If the church would live that way, we would have very little trouble sharing a testimony with anybody because we would not have hidden our faith in a religious building save for one day a week where we reassure ourselves that we're the real Christians, but instead we would have said everything I have, the manner in which I do business, the manner in which I make friends, the manner in which I go to school, the manner in which I build, all of it is for the glory of God. That requires you to take the Holy Spirit of God with you. You don't get to leave him at the church house now. You have to take him with you. If you're building a business and we have businesses in this church, I I would like you to take the Holy Ghost with you to that place of building and a business. And I would like you to say, Lord, I want to exhibit spiritual flourishing here. What do I mean by spiritual flourishing? It's the kind of thing people can see without you having to tell them. Amen. Mm. If the church had as good a testimony in our life as we have in our voice, it would be this reality discovered. They were much more ready to hear our voice because they had seen the testimony in our life. I want to convince you today that God made you unique and God placed you uniquely. Yes, your opportunity may at times feel like drudgery. Everything at times feels like drudgery. Don't let that be the end of the story. You may be sick of school and have two more years to finish your degree. It's time for you to toughen up a little bit, darling. It's time for you to say, God be glorified through my effort. Your career may feel like a battlefield half the time because people are asking you to solve problems they don't even understand. And because they don't understand, they exhibit opinions based on their misunderstanding, creating impossibilities for you. I just bless somebody right there. Just let that be a blessing to you. Just let that be a blessing into your heart, soul, and spirit. This is always the result of the problem in your life being drudgery, being exhausting, being tiresome. And we say, oh, I'm just going to get through it and I'll go to church. I'll kind of build a middle wall of separation between church me and the rest of me. I worked for a good number of years in construction and I want to know if there, I want you to know if there's a trade that is easy to have one person at church and another person at the job, it is the construction industry. And can all the construction people say amen? Uh, You see, that's why y'all going to heaven. You don't work in construction. I I want you to know, right, your business might be the unique kind of business where you get to lock God up at the church house and during your week, you just hope he isn't looking. I want you to know you're missing the greatest testimony opportunities of your life. You're missing the greatest testimony opportunities of your life. Not only that, you're missing the greatest potential of blessing in your life. Let me say it this way. Honey, you should be a lot more blessed than you are because you're trying to leave God at the church and do it your way. Your way's not getting you very much. You need to say, God, I don't know how to start. I don't know where to start, but I want the spiritual to grow up through intertwined with this life you have given me. I want to perhaps shock you and say this. The person who is working a business is no way less spiritually 
blessed or empowered than the person who is a full-time preacher. In the Bible, we are given a level ground where all believers are priests unto the Lord. Now, this was such a powerful idea that the rise of the West, I don't have time to preach this today, I'm just throwing it out there, put it on your radar screen. The rise of the West, where first, for the first time, economic growth began, coincided with the religious movement that was happening all across Europe. We think of it, for the larger part, as some type of a reformation, and in a smaller part, elements of the um, uh, Puritans and the like. But for the first time, because of that loss of distinction and what is known as the universal priesthood of the believer, the churches begin to teach that whatever you did, you could be anointed in doing that. Now, there was a change that happened around 1820. This is not on your notes if you downloaded them. This is just me giving you something at a discount price. I'll charge you more next week, but this is discount price. Around 1820, there is something that happens that we would think of as modern economic growth. Up till then, for thousands of years of history, the parents had about the same standard of living as the children. There was no uh, compounding growth. This directly correlates, and there are people, uh, famous philosophers who have made whole works of philosophy built upon this, who they began, there's something happened with the rise of Protestant, 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 I can't even speak. Protestant movement, okay? If I give too many more syllables, I'm going to start talking in tongues. And I don't know if I have an interpreter here today because I'm talking about economics. You know, maybe Lauren can perform me uh, as I get going. I want you to see for the first time there was a change in what we think of as modern economic growth. And what was one-tenth of one percent over most of history, there was very little change in wealth over generations. Uh, starting about 1820, that changed. And nations, the West primarily, with this uprise of a change of uh, Protestant faith. There's literally a change, and uh, this isn't my idea. There's historians that go into this. There's this change that could have in some way been correlated with this. It oddly links up in the same time, and that's this idea of the universal priesthood of the believer. And uh, many Groups, particularly in Western Europe, religious groups, begin to teach this. If you are a doctor, you need to believe you're anointed to be a doctor. And there's not the preacher is the good one, and you just have to suffer till Sunday. You are anointed. So let me say it differently. In your life, there is a gifting that God has given you. Your abilities, your talents where you went to school, how you solve problems, how you make friends. Some of you have never lived with a sense of abundancy in your heart. You've always had this sense of just got to make it to the weekend, just got to get to the end of the month with enough money to pay the rent. You've always had this struggle upon you because you never sense the fact that when you succeed, God is glorified. You never sense the fact that you could be successful in a way that wasn't just the celebration of self. You could be successful in a way that gave glory to God and continued a Christian testimony. Your business, your talent, your career, the way you work in a ministry, the way you volunteer in a church uh, uh, arena of work, your uniqueness could be part of the glory of God. So let me say it this way. Whatever you do in word,
word or do, deed. Let it all be for the glory of God. I want to speak shalom over somebody here today. Spiritual flourishing in all areas. If you work in business, I want to speak shalom over you today. Let it be for the glory of God. Ask rain in the time of rain. We are here today and we are asking for rain. Yes, we want spiritual rain. Yes, we want spiritual outpouring. But we also recognize that testimony is threaded through our lives in a way where everything is a flourishing unto the Lord. Now, let me give you one more scripture. Our musicians come. I've got so much more. I'm not even touching this, um, but I have to figure out what to do with that. But I want to I give you this image given to us in the scripture. It is a prophecy, and it shows a picture of flourishing. And it goes like this, and each of them will sit under his vine and under his fig tree with no one to make them afraid. This is a picture of sustenance. It is a picture of I have worked right here. God has placed me right here. I have cared for this plot of land. I have tended this vine. I planted this fig tree. And I sit here in the goodness of God and I am not afraid. I speak shalom over everyone who will receive it here today. Your gifts are just as much a part of the image of God upon you as what you do on Sunday and God forbid that we put God in a one day a week closet and we say, oh, I keep the business me and the church me separated. That's not the path to spiritual flourishing. The best thing you can do is to let the Holy Spirit of God walk beside you into your career tomorrow and you say, Lord, I stand before you and I ask for rain in the season of rain. I ask you, oh God, for rain in the season of rain. What's the right move? I'm not asking for a life without challenge. You're glorified in the challenge, the unique way that I overcome and I learn and I grow and I build and I rebuild. It's all for the glory of God. But I'm not just looking for a Sunday gathering. I'm looking for a day by day, moment by moment, hour by hour testimony where all of it gives glory to God. Stand with me all across the house. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is glorified when we spiritually flourish. God is glorified when we spiritually flourish. I know we're comfortable coming to the house of the Lord and clapping our hands and glorifying God. I want to broaden your understanding here for a little while. And I want to say God's going to be glorified when you flourish tomorrow. I understand we're comfortable in this house. They sing your song. The preacher preaches your message and you shout hallelujah. I know we're comfortable with that. And we separate that. We wall it off. We keep it on Sunday. I want to tell you this. Tuesday of this week, I want you to flourish. I, I want to speak shalom into your Tuesday. Wednesday's coming. Wednesday. Wednesday, the middle of the week, hump day. If you can make it through Wednesday, everything's looking up, right? Going to be okay. Got to make it through Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Oh, Lord, I don't want you just to make it through Wednesday. I believe there's a testimony in your Wednesday. You have a certain set of gifts. God made you. 
and you're going to work those gifts this week. Remember, Monday through Saturday was before sin. It wasn't all Sunday before sin. Monday through Saturday is before sin. And, or Monday through, you get the idea. <laughs> uh, Sunday through uh, Friday, and then Saturday the Sabbath. You understand what I'm saying? That's not, that's, that, God made you for worship, yes. He also made you for work. Both can give glory to God. I know you're not used to hearing me preach this way. It won't kill you to hear me preach this way a little bit. You were made for worship, but you were also made for work. Let your work glorify God. You were made to clap your hands in the house of God. You were made to lift your hands in the house of God. But you were also made to show up at your business tomorrow and use those same hands that God made to flourish in. Those hands were made for that too. That's not just after sin. You were made to flourish in the gifts of God and you're unique and God has an investment in you and you can do things other people can't do and you have insight other people don't have. You need to believe that God can use me this week not just to make it to Sunday. I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, there is a profound lesson in this understanding that our lives are not holy of a Sunday nature, nor are they holy of the days of the week. But there is this threading of the spiritual and the natural. And you let testimony live when the believer successfully integrates the spiritual and the natural in their life. The same person who before was isolated now has a chance to testify in a way they would have never had a chance to testify before. The same person who has success in a certain venue now has influence in a way they never had influence before. And God, somehow through the flourishing of your people who put the things of God first, this world begins to heal. In some way, we become the preservative of this society. In some way, the way we do business, unlike unbelievers, and the way we serve clients, unlike unbelievers, and the way we deal with setback, unlike unbelievers, and the way we deal with sorrow and pain and suffering, the way we pick ourselves up and dust ourselves off, it all testifies of your unique giftings in our life, the fingerprint, the image of God upon us. It is all testimony. And when that happens, this world in some way is preserved. There's a healing that is done in some way that makes possible an encounter with God. Testimony in some way is fitted to need and hope is somehow given to hopeless and your name is glorified. Lord, let it happen in this church. Let every ministry of this church flourish, not for the sake of exalting us, but for the sake of glorifying you, O God. From the biggest ministry to the smallest ministry in this church, I'm praying spiritual flourishing upon it today. In Jesus' name we pray. I pray for every small group that happens in this church. Every, it might just be two or three people that meet for coffee and maybe read a book together. It might be a home that's opened up and a certain set of friends come over on a regular basis. God, I pray for flourishing in that group. I pray for every career represented in this church. We don't want to just make it to Sunday, God. We want to testify of who you are. Yes.
I pray for every business in this church, Lord Jesus. We're not simply looking to succeed for the sake of success. We want to succeed in like, like Abraham asked to succeed. I want everyone to know God gave it to me. I want everybody to know what I have was measured and weighed by God and placed in my hand. It was not some accident. It was not me stealing from anyone. It was not me hijacking what someone else had. It was simply the gift of God. That's testimony. That is shalom. That is spiritual flourishing. Let it happen at First Church. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Hallelujah. We have any needs here today? You have a need? Raise your hand across the house. You have a need? How many of you... How many of you want to change the way you've been doing life? I'm not saying you're living in sin. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you want to take this idea of spiritual flourishing that you've tended to put on Sundays and you want to take it the rest of the week. How many of you feel that way? I know I do. I, I, in this study, I've been convicted because I felt like even when I did have business things going on, I, I failed at this. I failed at this. I, I, I built this wall of separation. God bless me here. I got to go to work. God, keep me here. Oh, I got to go to work. I'd like to pray for a breakthrough in that regard. I'd like to pray for a breakthrough in that regard. Because I want your flourishing to be a testimony of God's favor in your life. I want to ask of the Lord rain in the time of rain. Is there anybody here today with a specific decision to make and you need an answer in a specific situation regarding Monday through Saturday and not a Sunday it's not about your faith it's not about whether or not you're going to serve God it's about a decision in business a decision in career a decision in education anybody anybody all right that's I just I, I feel I feel this strong today. I feel this strong today. I feel like there's an open door of blessing that if we don't see it as the spiritual in our life then we'll isolate it from the spiritual and there'll be no point in God blessing us because we did not see his hand in it. Does that make sense? Lord, I'm praying for everyone here today who's facing a specific request, uh, or decision, I should say, a specific decision. They haven't been thinking of it spiritually, but it's spiritual. They've been thinking of it in terms of career, and they've been thinking of it in terms of business, in terms of which path. They haven't been thinking about it spiritually. And you've gotten their attention here today. And now they're asking this question, is, is there a spiritual component to this? Is there a spiritual component to it? I'm praying for that individual right now, Lord. I'm praying that their eyes would be open. I'm praying that they, they would have understanding not just of, I've got to do this, got a business opportunity here, career choice here. I've got to see this 
as an integration of the spiritual with the testimony of my life. Because if we do not allow that to happen, then we, we lose our testimony. Let it happen here at First Church, sure. That your name would be glorified. I pray you'd bless your people. You know the people that make this church possible, God. You know the people who, who pay for everything we have. If we have anything, there's people in this church that pay for it. But I'm praying they, they would have their mind changed. And they would begin to believe that there was a, a testimony in the work. A testimony in the career. A testimony in the business. This is not so we can have the best of the things of this world. No, this is so... Our life gives you glory and our testimony makes a difference in the people we have influence with in Jesus name in Jesus that it happened here at First Church I invite everybody who will to step out of the, the pew you're in the chair you're standing in and like, to, like us together around the front here, our, our, our worship team's going to lead us in worship. We're going to linger in the presence of the Lord for a little while. And I'd like you all, if, if you need to go, you can go. But if you would, I'd like all of you just to take a moment here. Let's linger in the presence of the Lord here today. If you have a specific need, I'd like to pray for you or have one of our pastoral team pray for you. So I'm going to invite you to come to the front right now. We're going to anoint you with oil and speak healing over your body. We're going to speak an answer to the confusion, a confu the confusion in your life. We're going to linger here in the presence of the Lord right now. Uh, I want to invite you to be a part of that lingering. Listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text give to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.